Welcome to another episode of the Vineyard Justice Network podcast. Vineyard Justice Network exists to empower vineyard pastors and leaders to pursue and enact the justice of God's kingdom. VJN equips you by connecting the work of heart, head, and hands with key issues of structural injustice and leadership. I'm Kathy Maskell, and I'm the pastor of discipleship at Blue Root Vineyard Community Church in Media, Pennsylvania. In this episode, I sat down with Stephanie Snow, ministry leader of Justice Ministries at Hyde Park Vineyard Church in Chicago, Illinois. Their justice ministry fights human trafficking and does racial reconciliation. Right now, their church is in the middle of a series on racial reconciliation, and Stephanie is going to tell us more about that. Our God is coming. Our God is here. Sure. Um, So it's always interesting when I hear that question, because I think the journey has been much longer than I've either recognized or acknowledged or even just realized was there. You know, it um, I feel that every believer is called and and we have this in us to pursue justice, whether we realize it or not, whether we want to hear that part or not. But justice is. it's just a, an integral part of the gospel. It's what the gospel is, and it's what the gospel is. What Jesus did on the cross, right? He he brought um, justice and satisfied justice, and and also did mercy. So for me personally, um, it was when I was at the Vineyard Church in the in the South Suburbs before I came to the High Park Vineyard that I started hearing um, more voices talk about justice and the gospel. And honestly, before my time at the vineyard, I thought my ideas and pursuit of justice was a separate thing. So I figured I could do my church stuff, my ministry stuff, and then justice was going to be a side project. Um, And then I remember being invited to a leadership conference that was held at the vineyard in Columbus. And they had a track. Sorry? What year was that? It was either, it had to be 2011 or 2012. So and I just remember turning point. That was a turning point year. It was. It was. It was the first time I had heard that justice was God's idea. It was the first time that I heard that it was really our thing. You know, it was. Um, it wasn't a separate thing. I didn't have to separate these fears in my life, and that not only was there a place for it in the church, but that it was important to the vineyard. And I was really new to the vineyard at that time. I think that was the very first leadership conference that I had attended. I remember um, Gino Allison sending me an email and saying, we're taking some leaders to um, Columbus. Would you like to go? And I was like, okay, Columbus, I had not been. So it was a great introduction to the vineyard and vineyard leaders. And then to hear that, um, that it was important enough for there to be a separate justice track that really started to plant seeds and um i just sense god fusing all of these things and saying yes this is what you're called to do and you're not alone which was was huge um so that's that's really how it started and it's developed through lots of prayer through me listening a lot hearing what other people are doing um what other churches not just vineyard churches what what the church capital c Dixie church is doing um and what's not happening as well, um, and just doing a lot of Bible studies on it. Like what, 
and seeing, and I was amazed to see how many times even the word justice appears, even no matter which translation I use. And I had just not noticed that growing up. So that's, so it's an ongoing journey. It's not, I've not arrived, um, but it's been life changing. Let me just say that it's been life changing. So in, uh, so you just mentioned that you were, you, ra- you were raised and you, you grew up in the church. Yeah. Um, so it, it was somehow communicated to you or you internalized it somehow that the, the work of the church or the work of being a faithful Christian was somehow not connected to um, the work of justice um, and, and growing up like what so what was was there something else emphasized instead was there was there deep opposition to this idea of God's heart for justice or it just wasn't maybe it just wasn't talked about yeah so um well, two things. So I grew up in, in, I grew up going to Catholic school. So that's one of the faith influences in my life. But then I also attended a um, traditional black church too. So it's not that the idea of justice was never around, but it just wasn't um, necessarily shared in, in, a, a, in a completely biblical sense where I got the understanding that it was God's idea. Um, and then I started attending more evangelical churches when I became a believer on my own as an adult. When, and so that's when I stopped hearing about justice. And, um, and so, and that's what was interesting. It just, it wasn't the focus. The focus was um, holiness, <laughs> holiness and, you know, living saved and, you know, being a light, which is, which is great. But a lot of it, um, that, and this is just my personal experience, a lot of it was more focused on outward things. And it just didn't seem that justice was a part of the gospel or the gospel that I heard. Um, and I didn't realize I was missing that until I heard it, until I started to hear it. I felt like I had come home in a sense. Um, and so I say that not to disparage any of the issues that I had ever had, had ever been. At. I think um, I think that's what's important about having all of these different uh, parts of the Christian church. Like I feel like all of us have a part in, and as we come together, as we listen to other people, as we hear um, even what other faith traditions are doing, that's when we start to get the big picture, especially when it comes to justice. Yeah. So in uh, so so keep keep on with your journey. So you've kind of taken us from um, childhood perspective and faith um, as you became an adult. And we're making choices about what kind of church community you're going to be a part of. Um, around 2010, 2011, you found yourself in a vineyard church. Uh-huh. Um, you know, Olison's church in South Suburban, uh, South Suburban Vineyard in, in yeah. the Chicago area. And, and then you go to this conference at Vineyard Columbus. And so then what happened? You're learning about God's heart for justice, that justice is God's idea. Yeah. Uh, you're doing after that. So it was around that time within the next year that I started feeling called to go to law school. And so I was in school at the time, finishing undergrad and had zero. Okay. Law school was not even on my radar for, for, for several reasons. At first I thought, um, I love history 
and travel. And so I really wanted to teach and thought that a dream job would be someone paying me to teach and read and travel. And, and I just I just figured that this dream job was there and it was going to be a nice cushy job. And then I started hearing shortly after that conference, maybe within the next year, law school, be a lawyer. And I, I fought it just a little bit because um, law school is <clears throat> expensive and a little bit, there's a bit of a price tag on that. And um, and I was scared. I was scared of doing this as an adult, going back to school um, in my 30s. And this was a strenuous um, course. And so um, I said, yes, started law school. And I feel that God refined and is continuing to refine his call and what he's calling me to do. And I think it changes in different seasons, but um, he started to meld the call that even me being a lawyer, that's a part of what he's doing in the vineyard movement, in my life personally, in this country, even in the world. And so um, the journey played out. I felt like there were these parallel tracks, like me learning more about the God of the Bible, what justice looked like biblically, what it looked like in the vineyard. As the vineyard started changing a little, I started, um, I feel I came in when the vineyard started being more vocal about um, justice and reconciliation and me being a woman of color in leadership at the in, in the vineyard. You know, all of these things were happening at the same time as I was going to law school, learning the law, seeing where um, we have been unjust as a country to different people. And all of these things were happening at the same time. Um, and, and, and then I ended up moving back to the city and going to a different vineyard church and being placed in leadership over the justice ministry. So there were all of these different areas that were kind of um, colliding for me in this great, lovely, sometimes overwhelming way because um, the problems are just so big and there are so many and, and it can be like, yeah, Jesus, this is too much. Let's just let your kingdom come and someone else can, can do all of the rest of this. And so for me um, personally, it's been a lot of learning and, and responding to the call, but a deep knowing that this is it, this is what I'm supposed to do um, and to bring people along, um, along in that. So, you know, what, one of the, um, one of the things um, that I'd love to just hear, hear more from you that I think would benefit our, our listeners and just the members of VJN is as a as a woman of color within the vineyard movement and then as a um, not just any color but as a black woman mm -hmm. who's a leader in your in your local church like what are um, what are some of the ways that you you found that to just be really an asset you know um, as a person of color as a leader of color that um, has enabled you to to lead effectively, you know, as you as you've helped um, your local church to yeah to, to to pursue the the things of justice and sure. push against um, and call out injustice. Yeah. Um, so my first leadership position in the vineyard was as a small group leader at the first vineyard at the South Suburban Vineyard, which. Um, in its own way, I, I, I love small groups. It's my favorite thing. The Vineyard introduced me to small group living and life, and I'm a champion for it because I see, I think that's where most of the change happens. And these smaller, in these smaller groups where relationships are being built. So one of the things I credit and love is um, being a black woman leading a small group 
a black single woman leading a small group. And I, and I love to point this out because um, I think that's challenging for other people more than I real more than than I may have realized. And me maybe being the first black woman that someone's seeing leading on on her own, right? Um, so I think that that was beneficial not just for me, but for other people who were maybe coming in relationship with me being in a group that I had led or even watching me lead. Um, I led a small group. I led a hospitality type of group um, that. It was called First Touch, where, you know, the first people that people see coming in the door at the church, I led that group too. So there were opportunities for other people to see black, a black woman in leadership where they may not see that every day in their jobs in corporate America, or even having come from other churches. Um, and there's still relatively few of us, um, depending on what tradition, what faith tradition people come from. So um, I consider that a blessing and it was a privilege. And there were times that it was challenging and I didn't, I didn't anticipate some of the challenges because, you know, I've always been a black woman, so it wasn't new to me, you know, <laughs> um, but just to realize that that might be new to other people and to feel, um, there were times that I felt like I was representing every black woman on the planet. And so then I would, um, sometimes carry a weight that was not necessarily from from God when he was just calling me to be Stephanie and to do what he's called Stephanie to do at that time and in that space. Um, so those were great opportunities though, right? For me to learn in my leadership, um, to, to realize the pains of growth uh, in those areas. And then as I transitioned to the High Park Vineyard to take a, a more... Um, not necessarily a, yeah, well, a greater leadership role is being over a ministry and one that was more visible. Yeah. Um, and at a time when a lot was happening in the country. Uh, and so it was more of a, um, when I first started, when Rand asked me, Rand Tucker, the senior pastor, asked me to lead the justice ministry, the main focus was on the fight against human trafficking, which um, was, it's a, it's a big deal, um, but there are a lot more resources I felt that were available to me. I, I got introduced to BJN, and um, I remember going to the first BJN conference and was just happy that I wasn't the only justice person in the world. Like, um, sometimes you kind of feel like you're the justice person at the church. Like, they're like, oh, that's Steph's thing, and to know that you're not that, you know, you're not alone. So that was great, and I had a lot of resources for that. Um, and then when things started happening in the news that affected me personally that I still was not, I didn't know how to deal with as an American, as a black woman, you know, all of these different intersections of my identity. Um, it was also at that time that I was leading a justice ministry and was then asked to add the reconciliation aspect um, to the ministry. So a, a lot of those things were very new for me too, leading in those areas. And I leaned a lot on people who had been doing it for a, for a lot longer. Um, so that that's very interesting um just with the two initiatives that um Hyde Park Vineyard asked you to lead so there's fighting human trafficking right asking you to help uh lead the way in questions or you know not just questions but kind of uh practical ways to uh, help nurture racial reconciliation mm -hmm in your community. Um, have you made any connections between the two? Like how does, how has, or how did the um, 
looking at resources, educating yourself about how to be an advocate for those who are uh, enslaved, <laughs> slavery, how to raise awareness about um, really invisible slaves, which is one of the biggest differences between the uh, transatlantic slave trade that happened uh, and you know modern day slavery there's like a visibility yeah. to it um it, yeah did, have you made connections between how that kind of even helped you or the connections between being able to be an advocate for that and now being an advocate for something that you're saying actually it was very personal to you um, which is a different kind of motivation it, it is um you know i just I think to answer your question, I think that's a challenge. It, it was a challenge for me, and it still is. And um, and I think in some ways it's something our church is still working on, right? We um, the High Park Vineyard has been around 19 years. I've only been there for four or close to four years, um, but it's always been a place of diversity and a place of people being aware of the issues of, of justice. So um, it's not that when I came in, I had to start from from scratch and say justice is a thing. Let's start. Let's start. Let's start there. Um, there was already that foundation laid, but um, there had to be connections made, and we're still making these connections on how all of these things fit together. How um, poverty is linked to a lot of the issues that that come up in reconciliation conversations that also come up in, in human trafficking fight that also come up in immigration and how these things are interconnected. And so um, it has been a challenge. Let me just say that, like we've acknowledged these things and we're still working towards how to make the justice ministry and putting out little fires and not realizing the core of what's going on. Um, that being said, these are areas where I've leaned a lot on people who've been doing this for a while, who are at other churches. And I have a friend at Willow, uh, or she was at Willow, she's now with World Vision, Chichi Aku, who, who's a black woman who's worked in this area for a long time that I've leaned on for support. Support and just ask questions like, what do you do? I don't have answers, um, especially in times where people want an answer and I just don't have one. And um, so that's been a challenge. That's been one of the challenges, like how is that related? Or even people who sign up for the justice ministry who specifically say, I only want to work on the human trafficking. Um, I only want to work in that part, um, but I don't want to have anything to do with the right reconciliation part and so um so those are just some of the things that are just that you want the people who want to volunteer and who are passionate about certain things and then you still want to share the knowledge and and say just so you'll know it's not always a separate you know everything is not always separate these things do fit together at some point um yeah that that does sound like a very practical challenge that probably many other folks who are working to nurture either a justice ministry or perhaps just how to connect the dots between the various things that they already do. Yeah. Justice because they think of themselves as a justice church. So maybe it's right. activities. Um, right. The work of connecting the dots, the work of nurturing a culture that 
um, perhaps talks more broadly about who are the vulnerable, mm -hmm. who are the marginalized, who are the ones who, uh, who don't have a voice. And then from there, at our best, we are following the Holy Spirit's lead in terms of how are we going to steward our, our financial people and energy resources that we need. Um, just even with what you've listed, Stephanie, you're, you're not listing everything under the sun. Like you're right. talking about two areas of injustice. So I just think that's important uh, to, to just highlight. You're, you're, you're not, um, you know, it's you're, you're one local church. Right. How are you going to, um, yeah, how, how are you going to be strategic? about about your resources and just even your own time as a, as a leader yeah um one of the things that we did when when i first uh, started leading this ministry was acknowledge that we didn't have to recreate the wheel in a lot of ways like who's already doing stuff and how can we how can we partner with the experts or with the people who are doing it and so as to the um, anti-human trafficking angle, we partner with two different organizations. One, IJM, who's working on a national and international level. And one is a local organization, Reclaim 13, that operates an aftercare house for girls who've been victims and have been taken out of, of trafficking lives. And so, um, so we did practical things for, for we, we shared resources, we support them financially, but then we also, for example, with Reclaim 13, held a shower for the house where we just collected things for the girls. And these are very practical ways that people in our church who were saying, this is a big problem. Like I opened up with a program that showed them these numbers and it was so overwhelming that it's like, well, how can any of us make a difference? But so we started with smaller towels and, and, and feminine products that these girls could use, just things that, that we could do. So we are partnering and, and we've increased our partnership, you know, as the years have gone on. But that's a very practical and strategic way to get involved without this overwhelming creating a program from the ground up. Um, so that's one thing that's really worked out well. And we're now looking to expand to partner with a third organization. And so yeah, so with, as the leadership transitions within the next year, they'll be partnering with a third organization in Chicago that fights against human trafficking. Um, What's another example of a, um, of a local action that um, your church has done? For human trafficking? This idea of you know, take, doing a, a, like a shower, collecting supplies for the survivors who live in a yeah. That's that's a perfect way that a church could practically come alongside and actually serve uh, human trafficking survivors. Yeah, so we've done, so we started out doing awareness, awareness events just to bring people in um, to the entire church and not just the justice ministry because part of it was making sure that this was a church-wide thing, that it wasn't just a few people who had committed to the ministry that the entire church had bought into this. So we did a few awareness um, awareness programs. One Sunday we did a Freedom Sunday thing where IJM came in and we had someone preach at both Sundays and show some videos and set up some tables to talk about what IJM was doing and why this was a problem. So we spent a nice amount of time um, doing education 
educational items with IGM and with Reclaim 13. Um, we brought in Reclaim 13 to do the same thing, to talk about the problem in our local area and why even in Illinois, there are very, very few aftercare services for victims of human trafficking because there are there's just a very small number of beds and homes that can take um, former victims in. So we did education about that. We um, we did the Cherish House shower where we, we hosted that shower for, for them. And then um, we have a been set up for, for this year. And then we've just supported them in some of their fundraising efforts. Like Reclaim 13 does a, um, a run, a 5K. Yeah. And it was my very in the world. So it was a, it was a huge deal. And we just, we supported that and, and sent um, a couple of people who went to the 5K. And then we have people at our church that are on the Reclaim 13 volunteer list. So they, they're able in their own time to go and volunteer at the house as needed or at Reclaim 13 events. That, that doesn't have to be like centrally controlled through the justice ministry. They So we, we gave them the contact information and they've signed up and they're regular volunteers. So if they need tutors, if they need someone to just come and be with the girls. Um, for men who want to be involved in human traffic, anti-human trafficking stuff, they have um, some security guard positions to help like when the girls go on outings. Um, and that's a way, you know, a practical way for men to get involved because that can be a, a tricky area too, especially when it's young girls who have been, um, trafficked, men usually can't be around them at certain times, but that was a way for some of the men in our ministry who were active to get involved to do security for, for events like that. That's so, that's so practical, and, and it really um, pushes a local church to, to do their homework of identifying what's already happening. Yeah. That, that opportunity could not exist if you hadn't first deferred to what the Lord was already doing and calling right. somebody else <laughs> to yeah. move and to start initiate. And um, I can imagine you're you're way more effective and helpful with your people power to to offer the to offer folks as security guards or fundraising support mm -hmm. volunteers. Yeah. Own aftercare house. Right. At this, at this point. At this stage, at this stage, exactly. Um, and that's, that's been, it's been great to be completely honest. And both of the organizations I mentioned, IJM, of course, and Reclaim 13 are both Christian organizations, which made it easier to partner with them in our infant stages of partnership, you know, to make sure that where we, like you said, we did our research and we knew, but we knew we could partner with these organizations um, and, and faithfully without a lot of, well, so as we move forward, one of the organizations we're considering is not necessarily, it's not a Christian organization, but so there's more that goes into developing that partnership. Um, but at the ground level, we were able to partner relatively quickly with Reclaim 13 and the, as a matter of fact, the executive director used to attend a vineyard, a vineyard in Evanston. So it just made for quick, you know, quick connections and, and it really worked out. And it's like you said, it's what the Holy Spirit was doing and had already set up that we were able to join him and say yes. That's great. So I'd love for you to share a, a little bit about um, on the on the racial reconciliation effort side, like what are some of the practical um things that have happened um, to help to both kind of infect a culture, right, on a broad yeah. of um, what, of what how, how you hope to kind of shape the hearts and minds of, of the people of, yeah. of, of the church, 
Um, and then it sounds like you maybe you've done some things that are more specific and targeted and calling a smaller group of people. Yeah. Um, so like I said, the, the reconciliation part is rel it's relatively new. I remember um, the Lord had been speaking to me like maybe this was supposed to be a part of the justice ministry, but it when Rand first asked me to lead the ministry, it was about human trafficking. And I just wanted to be obedient to what Rand had called. And and I think honestly, a part of me was like, ooh, reconciliation is a lot heavier and a lot, you know, there's so much. Um, I was kind of afraid of it, to be completely honest. I was afraid to um, take on leadership, but at the same time knew that I was called and that this was something I was passionate about. And it was just life for me. Like reconciliation is, I think life for the believer. <laughs> That's what we're called to do. We, we have this ministry of reconciliation. And so um, when Rand, Rand, fortunately, my pastor had heard from the Lord on his own. So that made my conversation with him um, saying, I think we need to add this to the justice ministry. It was a relatively easy conversation. Like I mentioned, a lot happened in the year or in a half when we first launched. So it seemed like um, there were things in the news almost weekly that was affecting uh, people at our church. And so what we initially, it just seemed like we were kind of thrown into it initially, um, thrown into the processing of how we were going to set up that part of the ministry. And so early on, one of the first things we did was um, there was some, some news about uh, an African-American male being shot and killed by police. And a lot of the people at the church at, by this time were just so upset that there was just, you know, anger and hurt and frustration that was palatable from some people. And then other people did not get it. Right. Can you spell that out a little bit more? Sure. So why some people would feel so personally hurt. I mean, this was not someone who was shot and killed in a member of your church. No, no. Even though being in Chicago, we do deal with it. And we're on the South side. So we do deal with it a little close, you know, closer than some other places. But, um, per so, so a lot of the people of color at our church were, it was affecting the back to, not that these things, issues are new, but they seem to be occurring with more frequency. At the same time that they were occurring, it seemed um, to some people who actually spoke to me um, that there was nowhere to turn with these feelings, that, that sometimes the feelings felt anti-Christian, like the hurt didn't seem to fit um, in their evangelical Christian circle, or they, they felt like they couldn't share these things with um, their white friends who may not understand, or even their Asian friends who may not understand. Uh, and so, so anger was building up because these things were being kept inside in a way, you know, and, um, and so around the same time we had said that we had this justice ministry and we were launching this reconciliation piece. So it was, well, what are we going to do? What are you, what are you going to do? And, um, I don't I do except to provide a space for people to grieve. And I felt that even that on a very basic level was lacking. It was um, lacking. And, and I, I just say in general that I had seen from, from friends at different churches and different circles who were just saying, you, you know, the place where we should be able to go to say, I'm hurting. Um, this bothers me. There's no reception or it's just too scary of a thing. And um, so at one point, we held something called a reconciliation conversation. And I would say it was one of the scariest things that I've led as a, as a leader because um, it was open space. And so the Sunday prior to that meeting, I led a service in a time of lament, which was new yeah. for us. And so the service, there was space 
um, for a prayer of lament and a prayer of this corporate apologizing and just an opportunity for hearts to break and for silence. And I, and for a lot of people, no one had seen that done and had not seen that done at a Sunday morning service. And so that was huge. Like it was a big, it was a, it was a, a big thing. I, um, I remember the conversation. I was very broken at that time and I was not aware if I could even lead through <laughs> you know, <laughs> through that, through that time, but thought that it was important for me to, do, you know, for me to do so. Um, so we did that and we followed that up the next day. So that was the Sunday morning. And the next day we followed that up with a reconciliation conversation. And what we did, we just, we came in, anyone from the church was invited. There were even people who came who were not members of our church. Wow. It was an op, there was no agenda. I, I opened it up just saying, we're here to listen which I think saying there's no agenda, feel free to talk. Um, it, it was one of the, like, I think I was holding on to the edge of my seat and there were things that, you know, that was just very, like, it's funny now, but that night I'm telling you, like I was caffeinated and just sitting there like, Lord Jesus, please. Um, I, I would be terrified. <laughs> it was, it was terror, um, but it was good, right? Like there were a lot of things that were said that some people had never heard before and said, people say with their brothers and sisters in this in this space and what I consider sacred space this holy sacred space and so um while looking back I think it was a reactive event you know it was in response to something that happened the goal is to have more of these conversations regularly not just in response to something happening um but just as a regular time for people to come in to just talk yeah um and out of that was birth of Justice Life Group. We we started a, there's a we have a life group now that's focused. It's called the Justice Group, and that meets weekly. Um, so we we do have a new small group that's focused on that, which is which is great. It's been going on for I think about a year now, at least two or three quarters of the life group cycle. So yeah, and so uh, fast forwarding a little bit, um, you are going into a summer series we are focusing on reconciliation so yeah. tell us a little bit about that and the kind of activation discipleship opportunity that you're kind of dovetailing with this sermon series sure so um the title of the series is different together a journey in reconciliation and it's going to go i believe six weeks from may 28th through july 2nd and one of the goals of the series was to have different voices come in to, to talk about um, biblical, what reconciliation looks like from a biblical perspective and um, to take us deeper as a church in reconciled relationships. And we thought it was important to do this, like as we prepare to go out in the community and spread the gospel and talk more about reconciliation and, and talk more about justice and say, hey, this is what we're doing and being this light, this city on a hill, we thought it was important first to go back and go deeper within ourselves and our own relationships and what we're doing as a church. And so this is the, the, the launch of that. Um, we are, we're really excited about it. We've been working on it for a couple of months. Um, we have some local pastors. Chichi Aku is going to come in. Drew Jackson is going to come in. Bill Jackson, a pastor in Chicago, is going to come in um, and talk. And um, 
and yeah, we're going to kick it off with the Memorial Day barbecue, which is all. I just think a barbecue is pretty much the best way to kick off any anything. anything. <laughs> I think it's the best way to kick off anything. And what we're doing is um, the Vineyard Columbus did this thing called a thousand share tables. And I think they did it in 20, 2015 or 2016. And the goal was to have people share a meal with someone who was different from them. Just and, and I thought that it was the most beautiful um, way of doing something very simple. I think breaking bread, and I do love food, so take this, what I'm going to say with a grain of salt, but I think that breaking bread with someone is just the best way um, of just kind of breaking some, like doing, it's a great icebreaker, right? Because you can always kind of, um, I think you got to be kind of vulnerable to share food with someone, especially if you eat as much as I do. Like it's, you know, um, it's, it's, I think it can be a holy thing. And so, um, we, we took that idea and, and, and scaled it down a little bit to our level and we're doing something called 200 shared tables. And the goal is very similar. Um, for people to grow deeper in relationship to someone that's different from them, the other, even whatever that other looks like, um, to sit down, to share a meal with them, um, and to just to talk. And it doesn't have to be um, a very deep, everything, you know, systematic theology doesn't have to come out on the table. We don't have to, you know, <laughs> we don't have to, um, to do any of that, but just as an opportunity to say, hey, you're a person that's, that's different. I want to know more about you. I want to get to know you. I want to share with you. Um, and that's what, that's what we're doing over the course of this sermon series. Um, so I'm really excited. I've been excited about it since um, I watched when Vineyard Columbus did it. I was following their hashtag uh, religiously and just loved seeing the different um, just the joy on people's faces where even if it was something that might have seemed forced at the beginning, you could see relationships building from that. Um, and so we're really hoping um, for our relationships at our church to grow, to grow down deeper, like for the roots to really take hold um, that we can love more that I think as you get to, you know, we want to know and be known. And so to just be known by someone different and to intentionally pursue that, that's the goal for this series. Yeah. And on a practical level, are you, as the leader, doing the matchmaking for the... Oh, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. So I've decided, no, I am not. I'm going to release that part of me that I would love to, to control and say, this is, <laughs> you're going here today, and this is your lunch date for today. Um, I want it to be as organic as possible. I think um, I want the Holy Spirit to just do his part in what he's already doing and, and bringing people together. And I want people to kind of... Um, challenge themselves and to take ownership of it, right? I think in some ways, if I was to say your assignment is to go and have lunch with Kathy, because I've never seen you with an Asian person. Do you know, I, I just want it to be um, as organic, even though this is a campaign, I want it to be as organic as possible. Um, and just that we're still leaning on the Lord. Like, who are you drawing me to you know who are you shining a light on and then there may even be people that are outside of our community that this will be an opportunity to you know to draw them in this way so we are trying to track it though as much as possible we have a hashtag and and i'm hoping that people will post um and that twi is it twitter and facebook hashtag or facebook and instagram okay and it's um, hashtag hpbc shared tables all right. 
Um, and so we're probably going to, open, I'm going to talk to Rand about this, but we're probably going to open up a separate like Facebook event page where people can post all their photos and it'll be open so, so people can see it. I want to see all of the cheesy photos, all of the hugs, all of the smiles. And um, I'm just excited to see what, what the world will do, will do with this. Yeah. Yeah. So just as maybe a, a, a last thought for our, our listeners, Stephanie, one, one thing that I was really struck by is the way that you talked about feeling a little terrified or a little scared, um, particularly as it pertains to wanting to step out in um, nurturing a space to talk about racial reconciliation in a way that is different from human trafficking. And I agree with you. And I'd love to hear a little bit more as you think to encouraging others who might be in the seat that you were a few years ago, like they have a heart for it, um, maybe because it personally affects their own lives or, or maybe it affects the lives of their friends or maybe they're just sensitive to the fact that this is something that clearly is affecting many lives of Americans in, in, in the United States. Um, so what, uh, what is it that, that uh, makes, make, makes this a more particularly challenging injustice issue? And like, how has the Lord led you to find what you need or what has the Lord given you in terms of what you need in order to still press in um, with, it sounds like real vulnerability, like you were scared. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. I tried to find a, a nicer, more comfortable word, but yes, I really was just scared. Um, I think one of the challenges is um, we really love comfort. We love, uh, I think this is a challenge for our walk period, anything that God has called us to, that, yeah. that we love the feeling of comfort. And for those of us who um, maybe have a people-pleasing issue that we deal with, we don't want to rock the boat. Like, if the, even if the boat, like, just keep it as smooth as possible. We know it might not be that great, but any overt confrontation is just not welcome and so when you think about racial reconciliation and the issues that that we've dealt with in this country it's always been volatile it's never been you've never heard anyone say I had a really comfortable conversation about racial reconciliation and so as believers um you know we want to be peacemakers and and necessarily peacekeepers and and so I think like um one of the things for me has just been to face the challenge head on where knowing it's uncomfortable being at a place of doing it afraid and relying on on the lord's grace and that's been really important for me the the idea that i don't have to own this whole thing that i can trust um the lord has called me and to move forward in that and to be okay when i make mistakes or when it's not perfect and to not expect perfection for me or from other people. And um, one of the things that, that even in this reconciliation series that we're focused on is that reconciliation is a journey and it doesn't have to be solved. I don't have to solve it before I the very moment, but it's a commitment to the journey and it's a commitment to being vulnerable, which is also uncomfortable. 
comfortable, which is just not, you know, it's just not a very comfortable place at first. Um, but I would encourage people to, um, to lean on those people that are close, to lean on that inner circle, to lean on the people that are supportive and that, that you can be completely vulnerable and teary-eyed with. Like those people who will say, yes, this is hard, but we're with you. We know the Lord is with you. Um, you are doing the Lord's work and there are rewards in that. And to just press through the part that's uncomfortable. It's less uncomfortable for me today than it was last year. Like I feel more empowered to do more things and to even, you know, even where I faced um, disapproval of things that I've done, where in some situations for certain people, maybe I'm not doing enough or for other people I'm doing too much or I'm rocking this, you know, where there's never like a sweet spot, you know, to please everyone, but just to be confident in, in the call and to stay biblical, like to stay, you know, to, to stay focused and to make sure that um, the spirit of the Lord is just undergirding what you're doing and, and to go forth in power and to trust that, to trust God and, um, you know, to trust what, what you're sensing that he's saying. Our God is coming. Our God is here. For resources related to this episode, as well as to listen to previous podcast episodes, go to www.vineyardjusticenetwork.org. Follow us on Facebook at Vineyard Justice Network and on Twitter and Instagram at Vineyard Justice. Draw near your people, by your grace we are free.